Hey everybody, it's Cantori actually doing our open here from Los Angeles because last night I went to game one of the World Series with my dad, which was incredible. And uh, it was incredible for many reasons. The main reason being I got to spend uh, some great one-on-one time with my dad. And the older I get and the older he gets, more importantly, uh, the more I treasure and value that one-on-one time. And I've been working through a lot of stuff this last year. And a lot of that stuff has to do, in, in some cases, with my relationship with my dad. You know, not as it relates to today, but yesterday or yesteryear. And really facing a lot of that stuff head on, which is why I just really cherish and um, treasure, again, my time with my dad. Especially while I work through some stuff. Yeah, it was a real special night despite the fact that it was 103 degrees <laughs> and we were both sweating our balls off. <laughs> it was such a great time just watching some quality baseball with my dad, who has been a, a Dodgers season ticket holder since the 80s. He was actually at the 88 World Series, watched that legendary Kirk Gibson home run with my mom firsthand. I'll never forget because they called me from the stadium when I was a freshman at San Diego State to brag about it. But uh, it was certainly awesome being part of history last night with uh, with my old man. Uh, let's see. Do you want to thank our sponsors here? Tory Holistics, who have been with us since day one. In fact, during my chat with Paul Segura, we talked about the cannabis movement. I don't think it made the final cut, if you will, of the podcast. But uh, we kind of went off on a tangent about how the cannabis industry is a lot like uh, craft beer. When craft beer started back in the 90s, that's kind of what we're seeing now with the cannabis industry, where you've got these collectives instead of breweries popping up and these grow operations instead of these uh, facilities, Uh, all stuff that's uh, well above my pay grade, but compelling and interesting nonetheless, especially as it relates to our community. And uh, Tory Holistics have been in the community for well over a year now. And with things going recreational, the turn of the year, uh, that's going to change everything. I mean, no one knows what's going to happen after the first of the year where you won't need one of these quote unquote medical cards to get into the shops. It'll just be recreational. You go in with a driver's license, much like they do in Colorado and Washington and other states. So uh, Tory Holistics, they've been doing it legit above bar since day one. They have council members going through the shop all the time, politicians, law enforcement, you name it, and uh, they're legit. So uh, check them out if you're interested in THC and or CBD products, and uh, you can find them online at toryholistics.com. And of course, South Coast, who have also been with us since day one, they're amazing, and uh, they're currently carrying all our U merchandise. We'll be introducing new merchandise into the South Coast stores here shortly, within the next week and a half or so, uh, shooting before Halloween. But I think that deadline, I don't know, it's coming. But uh, we'll have some new clothes at South Coast as well as online. And if you buy something at uh, U-Store, Y-E-W-Store.com, we're going to hook you up with these free U-Pins. And these new U-Pins are friggin' awesome. I love them so much. So if you buy something in the used store, we'll ship out a new pin. And we also have new shipping people in place. In other words, not me. So you're going to get your stuff fast now. (laughs) And uh, yeah, there you have it. Let's do our sit down here with Paul Segura, Master Brewer, Carl Strauss, and uh, go Padres.
what did you bring down here now? I brought a collaboration with Carl Strauss and Amplify Brewing Company. Okay. Um, this is a beer that we were probably going to brew anyway. Um, not just specifically for Palooza, but we're kind of killing two birds with one stone. So here's a question for you. Where, first of all, the beer's amazing. Thanks. But everything you do is amazing. Um, Thank you. Kind words. What, what's the uh, what's the deal with drinking beer? Here we are at ten in the morning for you guys. <laughs> when does it go from being? And I'm being honest here when I ask this, from being part of the profession to, oh shit, I got to get stuff in check. Um. Well, I mean, are, are we recording right now? Oh yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's why I, I, I ask it delicately, but it's something it's, I've always wanted to ask someone, and I feel like I know you well enough that I can. Yeah, ask I that mean, it's question. a legit question. So, uh, and I do get asked that once in a while too. It's like it's drinking beer is part of the job, and you have to taste. You know, it's like a chef that makes food. You have to taste it, right? right. Um, <laughs> at different times of the day, so you kind of just you just go with it. You have to, right? But it's not like we're drinking with the intention of getting faded, right? right. We're drinking for sensory analysis, for quality control, or, you know, you can have all the best lab equipment in the world and it's not going to tell you if the beer tastes good. Good point. But knowing myself, I know I would have to take a break from time to time. Well, I do. Oh, you do? Yeah, I, well, I kind of force myself to. I don't just drink, you know, all day long. And I get DUIs and stuff. And I've never had a DUI, knock on wood, you know, in over, I don't know, close to 25 years of brewing here. Um, but, you know, there's occasions like this where we're hanging out, we're, you know, talking, talking beer, beer, talking music, talking about surf and all kinds of stuff. And it only makes sense that obviously you bring down your product. But again, hey, it's 10 a.m. I'm enjoying it. And it's refreshing. I've enjoyed your, again, your product for years, both on the radio, Thanks, Thanks, na man. now in podcast form, and it always <laughs> happens to happen in the morning. <laughs> but I'm not a huge beer guy, knowing you are. It's your profession. That's why I'm always, I always wonder with you guys, knowing a lot of you, where you do draw the line, where yeah. it's like, hey, this is my gig, well, and man, I got to tap the brakes. I'm drinking yeah. too much. Yeah. Well, that happens all the time. Yeah. Right. Especially with collaborations. You, you just, you, you know, if you're going to another brewery or somebody's coming to yours, you just pop a beer like to be a good host. Right. right? And um, even like today, if I showed up here and I didn't have beer with me, I'd feel like guilty. Like, <laughs> especially if you went, where's the beer, man? You yeah. Know, didn't you bring any beer? Of course. So I just kind of try to keep a few growlers in my car. And if I'm going somewhere, I'm <laughs> always like, hey, ready I, to go. I brought some beer just in case. And but there's dude, no I'm pressure. Amazed, but I'm at the same time amazed at the culture here and how much the climate has changed. Where before I remember... Going and getting wow. drinks at lunchtime, that was something you kept on the DL if you were yeah. someone who got drinks at lunchtime. Right. Now, you go to any brewery, tap room, slash restaurant in town at lunch, and people are bringing growlers to the table, throwing right. them back, and it's yeah. noon, and it's standard fare. So. Well, what's, what's different now, as opposed to before, is that there's Uber and Lyft and stuff. True. Right? So, you know, if you're, gonna, if you're beyond walking distance from wherever you're having lunch, you can just Uber, and it's cheap. Yeah, as I get older, though, I think liver maintenance. That's just me. <laughs> That's just me. But uh, you have been doing it for how long now? Uh, let's see. I've been brewing commercially. I started in 94 now, but I've only wow. been with Strauss for 18 years. Okay, um, so I was how with did you a couple breweries before Strauss. How'd you start then? 
I started homebrewing, man, uh, back in the late 80s, like 88, 89. And I was a member of Quaff, you know, the local homebrew club, like a lot of the other brewers in town. And started making homebrew as a way. I, it, actually, it started with Bush Sr.'s syntaxes, right? He kind of imposed these extra taxes on tobacco and alcohol and junk food and a bunch of stuff. And alcohol got hit pretty hard. So a lot of dudes like me just said, screw that, man. We'll make our own beer, you know, if you want to tax the crap out of us. So it kind of became legal in, I think, uh, the 80s. Um, and so I, I was working at this place called Knight and Carver Yacht Center in Mission Bay as I was putting myself through San Diego State. And uh, there was a bunch of these old sailors that had already been making their own beer. And I, they were bring it to work and we'd drink beer after work. And I go, wow, this is great. You know, this is really good. And uh, so I took this little class out at this place out in La Mesa called Beer and Wine Crafts. And that was before Homebrew Mart. And Beer and Wine Crafts uh, had this, you know, they, I don't know, two, three hour long class and they had all the supplies. So I took this class, I learned how to make beer there and started making it at home, became a member of Quaff, and I met this dude called Skip Virgilio, who's a very cool dude. And uh, he was the president at the time of Quaff. Well, he became president, but he was also working at this place called the PB Brew House that oh, you might remember. Yes. <laughs> Oh my god! Corner gosh. of Garnet and Mission, right, right there. next to the Skechers shoes. Or Actually, whatever. the Skechers became that place once it closed. Dude, do you so know it's now Skechers? My best friend. I can't believe you're bringing this up. My best friend from high school was the door guy there. Really, Craig Harris, Big Craig, and oh. I went to high school with him up in Los Angeles. <laughs> So we were, what I tell people, like, and I feel like such a douche now, like, dude, that was part of the early craft beer movement. There yeah. was this place, the PB Brew House. People look at me yeah. like I was an alien. Yeah, people don't, only us old school guys remember that, man. So is that really where it started, that's, was the PB Brew so, House? So um, that's kind of where it started. Well, I would drink beers at Carl Strauss and stuff, man. I, that's kind of where it started for me, drinking you know, Amber Lager and Red Trolley and stuff back in the day, Downtown After Dark, Gas Lamp Gold, beers like that. Um, and then I started homebrewing. I met Skip and I said, bro, can I come in and just like do your dirty work for you? I'll, I'll shovel out the mash. I'll mill, mill the grain. I'll scrub shit, whatever. And um, he said, yeah, cruise in, man. They're having the extra help because he wanted to get out and paddle out before like 3, 3.30 in the afternoon right. before everybody else got out there so skip is is the guy who started the pbl he didn't start it he uh th uh, i'm trying to remember who who started it. i think it was like paul holborn and the guys from uh, bolt brewing company okay um, so i'm going to backtrack just a little bit here for a second because yeah. you said something happened in the 80s where it made it possible for home brewers to do their thing. Can you elaborate on that a little bit All right. more? So it's a little fuzzy for me. I think it was Alan Cranston. Okay. Uh, you know, people can Google that dude, um, who actually made it legal to homebrew. Um, and that was, you know, I think the first time any legislation sort of pro beer had happened since, you know, um, prohibition. Sure. And, uh, they made it legal to homebrew, and then the whole sort of homebrew movement took off, and then um, that kind of evolved into 
you know, new breweries opening up. Which okay, is really and cool. Carl Strauss was already a force in the market at this point, correct? Carl Strauss, no. Carl Strauss opened in 89, so Carl Strauss was the first in the city of San Diego to open up. Uh, Bolt actually opened up in North County. They were the first in the county of San Diego to open up, but they were short-lived, man. They were only open for a few months. Um, but Carl Strauss is still there. So people kind of see Carl Strauss as like the grandfather because we helped clear a lot of the you know red tape and a lot of the hurdles for other brewery to open up. But, but um, you were obviously independently doing your own thing and working under Skip at this point over at the PBL house. So, I, yeah, I, was, I went in and just did a bunch of grunt work for Skip because I could. And uh, then I graduated from San Diego State with a degree in political science and learned enough to know that I want nothing to do with political science. Dude, that was man. my minor. Was it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I learned very fast. I wanted yeah, nothing to do was, yeah. with Yeah. I mean, it was interesting. Science. And I kind of started out thinking, I'm going to change the world, man. Yeah. But then I realized you got you to basically like make a bunch of promises you've got no intention of keeping. Yeah. Or go to law school. Or go to law school. And I didn't want to do that either. Me neither. Same bit. Um, when did you graduate from state? So, 94. Oh, when wow. I graduated from San Diego State. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was on like the, what, eight-year program. <laughs> okay. So you went to Castle Park High School. I yeah, yeah, yeah. And I you grew graduated. up in Chula Vista. Right. And you graduated from Castle Park in what year? In 84. Okay. So you were on the eight-year plan, weren't you? Yeah. And then well, some... I went to Southwestern for a couple years and, okay. and before I transferred. Gotcha. Played a little football there. And then you get out of state and you say... I yeah, so that's when I took industry. out an additional loan and went up to Davis to study beer. And I was a member of the first graduating class of the American Brewers Guild, along with Eric Jensen, who was my roommate up there, a Bonita Vista dude, um, who's now the brewmaster at Green Flash Brewing Company. Wow. So him and I were like roommates up there. We studied together and did all so that. So nuts. Like, I always knew you were on the forefront, but I never knew to what degree. But it really comes down to this home brewer revolution that happened in the 80s you were on the forefront of that yeah while putting yourself through college and then once yeah. you realized that out of college i don't want to go into poli sci you did the pivot and you doubled down on beer yeah i mean i also had the benefit of having a couple you know just lame jobs and i realized that you know i kind of had this epiphany like this sucks man the rest of my life is just going to be working jobs i don't dig sure Been um, there. so you know what what the hell i'd rather be like you know, poor and happy than have all this money. And I get that at 47 when you spend. (laughs) Yeah. So when you spend like eight hours of your waking hours every day, a job you don't dig, your life kind of sucks. I agree. So I want to talk more about your schooling though. So you go up to Davis for how long? 10 weeks. Oh, that's it. So So I already had my undergrad from San Diego state and it included all this, all the prerequisites, all the sciences. Wow. So, you know, microbiology, biochemistry, and all of that stuff, chemistry. And um, to get, uh, you know, uh, accepted to that program at Davis, you have to have a lot of those prereqs. You have to have some sciences because they start right in on the brewing science, assuming that you already know chemistry and a lot of that stuff. So they're making references to, you know, all these different chemical reactions, redox reactions, and all this other stuff. Um, And what percentage of, and I know this is a... Yeah, you know, lame question, but what percentage of the beer making process is science, would you say? Oh, huge. It's that's the foundation for making beer. I mean, making making beer, brewing beer is a perfect blend of art and science 
but you can't even use the art until you have the science. Got it. So science done. comes first. Right. So uh, so you're done with Davis. You come back down here. I came and- back home to San Diego. My wife was pregnant at the time with our first daughter. Uh-oh. And uh, I'm like, I got to find a gig, man. I got to find a gig. And she was a school teacher, so I was really lucky. I've been lucky to have my wife, man. She's the best. I get that. And we're going to be married 25 years in no May. No way. Yeah. And Lucille, if you ever hear this, I love you. Thank you for all the, for sticking by me all the tough years. I get it. Uh, but um, I had to find a gig and nobody in, there were five breweries in San Diego when I came back in 94 and none of them were hiring at the time, but I submitted a resume at the one, the hops in La Jolla at UTC. Oh yes. And uh, they had built, they had just finished building a little brewery out in Phoenix at the Biltmore Resort, the old school money part of Phoenix there. And they want, they needed somebody to work that. So I get a call from the VP of, of hops and they said, we want to fly you out to Phoenix for the weekend as kind of a working interview. If you, we want to see if you can actually make beer. And I did, I went to this, you know, this little seven barrel brewery and I was like, Oh wow, man, nervous? I had a, I had a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was nervous. Cause it was like a Maseratis and Ferraris and Rolls Royces and all this stuff. Yeah, I man. remember I'm that going, place. Oh wow, man. And this I'm ain't Chula a, Vista. I was a poor kid from Chula Vista. Yeah. I drove a Volkswagen, man. <laughs> I get it. And, uh, they hired me. So, uh, but the, my health benefits wouldn't kick in for six months and my wife was pregnant. So she stayed in San Diego for about six months until my health benefits kicked in. And then she moved out to San Diego with our newborn daughter, Maggie. Dang. And I brewed beer for a couple of years out there. And then they did an, a leverage buyout <clears throat> after a couple of years. When I was with them, they did a leverage buyout of the old RJ's Riptide Brewery. Oh my god! Down gosh. in the gas lamp down in San Diego. And they said, hey, you're from San Diego. Would you like to go back? I said, hell yes. Hell yeah. Right? Wow. So uh, moved back to San Diego. All these names and, and these breweries you're dropping. It's just, it's talk <laughs> about, an, it's like going to Balboa Park, the Museum of Man. It's yeah, just, I'm, an, I'm an old dude. This is, yeah, but I was on the other side partying there. It's making me feel older. <laughs> wow, that's just amazing. Okay, so when did you transition over to Carl Strauss? All right, so that place, uh, the it was bad luck. I mean, um, Hops had it for about a year, and then they wanted to just sell it because they hadn't started making a profit on it yet, and they sold it to David Cohn of the Cohn Restaurant Group. Oh, that's right. And so David flipped it. He asked me to stay. So Hops wanted me to- What did he flip it to? He flipped it to Hang Ten Brewing Company. That's right. And he took it over, and it was a surf place, man. It was like we were a licensee of Hang Ten Brewing Company, so we had all the Hang Ten logos and gear and T-shirts and everything else, and it was rad. That's like a year in, though. That's when all of the construction started down there. The new ballpark. So they closed Fifth Avenue going south, and they closed Harbor Drive to do all that work on the convention center. And that's in order to keep Comic-Con... They had to double the convention center. That's right. So all that construction was going on. So we lost our lunch business right away as soon as they closed the convention center. And then we lost like a lot of the, you know, weeknight business when they closed Fifth Avenue. And uh, so we were selling beer. I had hired Chuck Silva to be my assistant. And Chuck Silva. That's amazing. Um, had been, uh, I mean, I hired him right out of the Brewers Guild. And Chuck's uh, Green Flash, right? Chuck became the brewmaster at Green Flash. 
he before that he was with uh, Reaper Ales and Green Flash and the Hops at UTC. So he had been around, but he made a big name for himself yeah. at Green Flash. Always he loved put his Green stuff. Flash on the map, and now he's got his own brewery up in, uh, you know, uh, Slow. Right. And uh, Silva Brewing Company, and he's gone on to win a lot of awards and do oh, great cool. things. But the place wasn't making money, so David Cohn was going to shut it down. And he said, man, I'd like you to be like beverage manager or something, but I know you still love making beer, so I don't think I can do anything for you. I said, well, there's one thing you could do. Call Chris Kramer at Carl Strauss, let him know I'm looking for a gig. And he did right there in in his office, and Chris Kramer answered the phone. He said, tell Paul to show up on Monday. So I got stupid luck, right? I got super lucky. And I've been with Carl Strauss for like 18 years now. Give me a little history on Carl, because that um, I, I remember, but I'm a little fuzzy. All right. So Carl was born in Germany. Um, his father was the president of the Feldschlossen Brewery in Minden, Germany. And if you're the president of a brewery in Germany, you live. I mean, there's, there are living quarters in the brewery for you and your family. Right. Carl was literally born in the living quarters at the Feldschlossen Brewery in Minden. And, uh, you know, I don't know, 1916 or something like that, 1914 maybe. Um, and he grew up in and around the brewery, and they were make they made sodas. He learned how to do that, kind of learned how to make beer too, and helped with deliveries and did all that stuff. But then he he uh, went to uh, Weinstefan, which is the Harvard of beer. That's like where everybody who wants to learn the you know the best way to make beer goes. And um, he graduated from Weinstefan, and then oddly enough, he went to work at another brewery in Germany that was kind of a I don't know a competitor. But then 1939 rolls around, and he had to get out of Germany. Sure. Um, and he was of Jewish descent, man. So um, it was the Kramer family who um, had married a Strauss family member. Um, I think it was Chris's uncle who had married into the Strauss family. Okay. And so they sponsored Carl and his sister to get out of Germany. Um his brother, they wanted to get his brother out. They wanted to get the parents out too, but the parents actually perished in concentration camps. Oh my gosh! And his brother died um, fighting Nazis in um, in like Warsaw in that Warsaw uprising. Man. Holy shit! But Carl made it out. His sister Maggie made it out, and they were on their way to San Francisco to take a job. I don't know some <laughs> bakery or something. But he stopped in Milwaukee because he had some friends that at had Bodine's. Left. He was going to make sourdough yeah. <laughs> bread bowls. At, like maybe probably at who knows. Um, but he stopped in Milwaukee because he had some friends that were brewing beer there, and um, they said you ought to fill out an application, man. You'd get hired. Right, so he did, and he got hired at Paps like on the spot. No he way. He never. His sister kept going, but he never left Milwaukee. He ended up working at Pabst, and he started like in the cellars and worked his way up to vice president of production. That's amazing. <clears throat> and spent forty-four years working at Pabst. Holy shit! I had no idea. Yeah, that's amazing. So, so how did he this, end up in San Diego? To this day, I still have this soft spot for PBR. No, right? Carl put so much of himself into PBR over the years. Now I do here in this story. <laughs> so uh, how did he make it to San Diego? Or so bring that um, he retired from Pabst in forty uh, in eighty-four. After 44 years. Yeah, he started there in 1940. And so Chris Kramer, um, he graduated from Stanford, and him and his uh, like roommate up at Stanford Business School were going to start a business, and they were trying to figure out what kind of business they wanted to start together. 
but they they had sort of a bartending business up at Stanford. They would do parties and stuff, and they got big. And they made a lot of money doing that. So they figured maybe a bar or some kind of nightclub. I don't know. But Chris went down to, uh, he was waiting for his partner to graduate. So he went down to Australia for the America's Cup <laughs> in the mid-80s. And he walked into this place in Fremantle called the Sail and Anchor. And it was a small brew pub. And he had a brown ale there. And he said, man, this is the best beer I've ever had. I've literally never tasted a beer this good. Who made this? And the bartender goes, man, it's made in this small brewery right behind the glass behind the bar here no way see this all this equipment right behind me that's where it was made and chris like he had this epiphany right there i want to do this same thing in san diego i want like this little brew pub thing so he came back to san diego from australia and he called carl because he remembered that he had a brewer in the family his uncle. oh my god and that's when he goes hey carl i'm thinking of doing this like a small brew pub thing and carl had already started consulting on this microbrewery revolution that was starting to take right. off. So he had consulted on like Samuel Adams and Pete's Wicked Ale and you know no Sierra Nevada and some of those breweries. And Chris uh, Carl goes, "I'll help you. I think it's the way of the future. I think it's going to blow up." You know. So Carl came out to San Diego and they um, right then uh, Chris's business partner Matt had graduated from Stanford and they had a house in South Mission. Right next to Tower 10, the lifeguard tower. Damn. Hence and the beer. Hence the name of the beer, Tower 10. That's our roots right there. Of you course. know. So they had a they had an apartment right there at Tower 10 at South Mission. And Carl came out and they hung out with Carl and they drank a bunch of different commercial beers and said, We want to make a beer that's like this and like that. And Carl said, Well, we can totally do this. And um, they found this spot down at Columbia and B Street that used to be like an old, uh, like an auto repair shop or yeah, something. Yeah, I remember that. And um, they started the old Columbia Brewery in 1989. Okay, so it was called, at that point, was it Carl Strauss at that point? No. Interesting. That same location, man. I brew there a lot. That's now our R&D brewery. It's the oldest continuously operating brewery in San Diego. Yeah, I didn't realize, though, that it started as old. I thought it started as Carl Strauss there. No, it became Carl Strauss later on because uh, they started opening more locations, and you couldn't call like a La Jolla location right. or a Sorrento Mesa location Old Columbia. I guess you could, but they also oh, wanted man. to honor Carl. I mean, Carl was, of you course. Know, he was in his uh, 80s at the time. You know, I think when I first met him, he was... Uh, like in his early to mid eighties and uh, just the nicest dude, genuine, oh, always jovial and happy, always having beers with people and sharing stories. And See, that's what I remember, especially <laughs> being in the media. It was just for me, it was, you know, right place, right time. It certainly yeah. wasn't like I was calling this revolution. I just happened to be there during it. Yeah. So I knew Jim Cook really well and he, early Sam Adams days yeah. because they were very involved in the San Diego yeah. market, if you yeah. remember. Mm -hmm. And uh, being on the inside of that operation, I remember going, wow, this is like nothing I've ever seen before. Yeah. And then I watched it here, obviously, in San yeah. Diego, but I always attributed it to just Carl Strauss. Yeah. And that was it, just as a customer and a consumer. And then I watched the Stones and the ballast points and the green you know yeah everything shift in that direction but i yeah. always 
hung it on Carl Strauss was Sandy was the San Diego Sam Adams. That's kind of how I looked at it. <laughs> and we back, had a similar beer with that amber lager. Right. Yeah. Back in the nineties, that right. is. Yeah. But then what happened, you know, and you know this because you were obviously there <clears throat> with all as the industry started blowing up, I was always enamored by how Carl Strauss just never tried to go into trends or, or do anything to sacrifice their always they always stayed true to their brand and locked in and you have since day one right well, i think you know a lot of it was just trying to uh win people over from you know the bud coors and miller beers and just trying to create a beer that people would feel safe drinking that it they you know it wasn't so crazy to drink an amber lager and we had we put carl out in the forefront saying look man i'm i'm a german brewer that's been brewing at paps for 44 years i've got credentials i know what we're doing the beer's safe to drink it's not made in a bathtub <laughs> or you know it's you're not going to get sick from it it's this is you know we're we're using old school methods and you know techniques and traditions to make our beer and so we were still, and we still are engaged in, you know, I mean, 20, 28 years later in trying to get people away from, you know. You're still fighting that fight, you think? Oh, yeah, man. Really? Yeah. So when you think about all the craft breweries in San Diego, we're still combined 20% of the beer that's sold. How is that? There's 140 uh, breweries in San Diego now. Yeah. How is that? But you always, and I guess this is my point to what I was saying earlier, mm. you always stayed in your lane now. And you always stayed true to the Carl Strauss brand and the the integrity yeah. behind the brand and the beer. You never... Well, there's, there's certain things that are, that are never going to change. And that is like beer is a social beverage, right? It's, it's approachable. It's the working man's drink you know i mean wine you know wine is kind of you know it, it's you, you make it you put it in barrels and you tell people don't you, well then you don't touch the barrels for a year or two and then you put it in bottles and tell people not to drink it for a year or two <laughs> and it's you know this special thing and um beer after two weeks it's ready to drink yeah and the abv is half that of wine so it's you could drink more of it in a social setting and you know it's it it's more versatile than wine when you pair it with food um and if it's hot it quenches your thirst you know in san diego it's summertime year round you know? yeah so i don't know beer my mother's from france so you know i've always grown up drinking wine but beer's always been kind of closer to my heart now let me ask you this though i I always, in the same breath as I say I've watched this industry go nuts, not only have I watched Carl Strauss stay in its lane, I've also watched you stay in your lane, which I, I admire and respect so much, especially in an industry that can be volatile. And you hear about brewers going to all these different breweries on a reg. I think it's so cool that you have been able to lock into that one place. What do you attribute that to? Well, before I joined Carl Strauss, I heard Chris Kramer speak one day, and, I, and I've heard him say, you know, um, it's important to be a good person. It's important to be a good neighbor. It's important to give back to the community that supports you. People will always do business with people they know and like. 
And that was before I was even with Carl Strauss. So I think he was applying it to that scenario, that no one like thing, to people buying Carl Strauss beer that had bars and restaurants or whatever. I've applied it to sort of an internal thing where if you work for somebody that you know and like and that who's a good person, you're going to do a lot of little extra things. You're going to go the extra mile on a daily basis when it comes to making beer, keeping the brewery clean, keeping an attention to detail and all of that stuff because you like the people that you work for. Of course. So I work for Chris Kramer. You know, he's like the nicest dude in the world. We've gone to dead shows together. <laughs> we we hang out together, have beers together. You know, he, he's a genuinely good dude. I know his wife, his family, um, his cousins, his brothers, everything. And I love the dude. Yeah. You know, I wish there was more of that in business across all, all yeah. businesses. Cause so on top of that, I mean, just Carl Strauss, the company has these core values, right? These things, you know, love and protect our, our environment, the community, be authentic. You know, just, there's this group, there's this core values that, um, that I dig, right? And one is like the beer that we're drinking right now. That We've raised 10 grand for beautifulpb.com to keep our beaches clean, yep. to build bike racks and surf racks and bike lanes and, you know, and stuff in PB, where our brewery is. So where do you see, do you see the industry staying on the path that it's on or do you see things changing? I really hope it doesn't change. I don't see them changing, um, although it's it's always a concern of mine. Right now, there's this beautiful beer scene that exists in San Diego where we're all bros. We all share secrets. We all share, uh, well, they're not secrets if you're sharing them, but successes <laughs> and failures with each other. Um, if we need to borrow something, it's like, hey, man, can you got some yeast I could borrow or some you know, bag of grain or whatever. Um, so we're all just helping each other we're all blowing each other up it's it's like a music scene but beer and then when those bands do blow up how do you feel about the the sales of uh whether it's ballast point saint archer uh what stone is doing and their moves and so i i guess i'll speak well i'll speak for myself um, I can't speak for everybody, obviously, but I, I came up with all the dudes at Ballast Point. You know, when they started Homebrew Mart, Jack White and Yusuf and all those dudes, Ryan, Colby, uh, they became brothers. They became friends, you know, uh, guys that used to, you know, like I said, shared successes and failures, and they got bigger and bigger and bigger. And they sold for a billion dollars to, you know, Constellation. Uh, on one hand, I was super bummed because I lost this ally in this sort of uh, quest to turn people on to flavorful beers. Um, but I guess they're still doing that. I guess the lobbying power against Budweiser that's just gobbling up breweries. But I'm also happy for them. Yeah, These are dudes that worked hard to build that brewery. And they always had beer, like making good quality beer as their focus. Yeah, and it's hard right. for any human being at the end of the day to turn down a right. billion Right, so somebody dollars. throws a billion dollars at you, what are you going to do? I mean, you come know? on. you got to take you can't, that. Yeah, there's no. no, you cannot judge no. that acquisition in no. any and, way, shape, or form. And anybody who says they would turn that down are lying. They're lying. I agree. Lying. Now, do you, do you have 
aspirations of pulling a Carl and eventually retiring, you know, from what your current capacity and doing Segura brew. <laughs> uh, you know what? Um, yeah, people have asked me, when are you going to open your own place? You know, I, I think um, I'm making beer still. Yeah. You know, um, and you could, you know, ask anybody around town. I brew, I brew a couple times a week, you know, at the downtown brewery, and I love it. And on top of that, I'm teaching a class at UCSD in brewing. So, um, and I'm also, you know, doing another radio show that I'm basically hyping up uh, the scene, the the craft brewing scene in San Diego. So I'm bringing on other breweries and talking about how good their beer is. So you've become an ambassador in addition to being a brewer, it sounds like. I'm genuinely stoked about the scene that we've, all kind of collectively created and how cool it is and still trying to, you know, bring people into the scene that, that haven't yet tasted some of the beers that we're making. Yeah. And, um, so I'm still, I think if I opened up my own place, I would spend so much time doing payroll and taxes and production schedules and all that stuff. I wouldn't get to brew beer anymore. And I still love <laughs> brewing beer and go around and, and talk I've about known beer. dudes who open up their own brewery and then, have to stop brewing because they're doing they're worried of taking taking care of the business side of it so i'm probably going to die with a mash paddle in my hand or maybe uh, <laughs> a guitar or maybe a surfboard yeah that's okay you know that's okay i'm I having fun about i still it. feel like i'm 18 i'm gonna do this as long as i can see man. that's me man and i get it whether it's uh working for an organization or doing it myself i feel the exact same way so you don't need to explain that so yeah you know, Tom Petty said it best, and he just passed away. Uh, heartbreaking, peace, isn't it, said, man? You never slow down, you never grow old, man. It's true. I, I'm still trying to figure out how to get old or, or man up or right. adult up. You're still surfing. You're still drinking. You're still like, you've got the lifestyle, man. This I'm still is... doing it, but it also comes at a cost, though, because there are times I do, I do get stuck in my head and say, you know, shouldn't I be more responsible or working that nine to five job? Would that be more a responsible thing to do as a father, as a husband versus trying to keep fighting and fighting and punching through doing what I do for you the love of it. You live in a good neighborhood. Your kids are going to a good school. What more on top of that? Yeah. Health. You know, you're a good you, father. You spend, you spend time with your kids. That's all I do. This dog that's sitting on the couch next to us. He's I mean, chilling, dude. Yeah, look at that. With chill. one blind eye. You know, you're taking care of, you're holding it down. So Doing you know, my best, I mean, man. You don't know? live up to everybody else's expectations, I guess. You just got to kind of do... Do you? What's in your heart? Do you? Well, I think you're doing awesome things in the community and have Thank been. Thank you. Likewise. And to see where you are and how you have, again, I keep using this analogy, stayed in your lane and just continued to do good, respectful work and putting the community first, I commend that. Well, thanks, man. Those, are kind, those are kind words. And it's heartfelt. Thanks. There you have it. That's our, uh, that's our sit down with Paul Segura, master brewer, Carl Strauss, all around good human. Great guy, right? Love spending time with Paul and uh, looking forward to doing more with Carl Strauss here at U Media. And uh, don't forget to check out Calabapalooza. Calabapalooza. Yeah, I'm getting it now. 
the indie collaboration celebration with 30-plus independent San Diego brewers pouring one-off collabs and rare releases Saturday, November 11th from 1 to 5 in the parking lot behind the North Park Observatory thrown by Carl Strauss. More at carlstrauss.com. And uh, yes, thank you for checking out you, Y-E-W, online.com as well for our podcasts, articles, and videos. You can support our platform by following us on Instagram and uh, Facebook, Twitter, all the social channels, and buy something in the U-Store. That's a great way to support. U-Store.com, Y-E-W store.com. And then we also have, it's, it's kind of half-assed because I'm so embarrassed bringing it up, truth be told. But I appreciate each and every one of you who do contribute to the Patreon that we have set up at patreon.com forward slash you, especially the, uh, especially the folks at Mariposa Ice Cream. Anna and Tim are huge contributors and they help make this possible. So if you've got ice cream demands, <laughs> ice cream on your radar, there's no better ice cream in San Diego County than Mariposa with locations in Normal Heights, Temecula, and Oceanside. All right, until next time, be well and much aloha.